Welcome everyone to How to Father, a podcast on the amateurness of being a dad. I'm your host, Troy Rivas. Uh, I want to thank everyone for all the wonderful feedback. We've averaged about a little bit over 100 listeners each episode, which is pretty darn good. I think, at least I do this in Google, and they said that's pretty good uh, for starting off in a podcast. But thank you for the wonderful feedback, uh, the wonderful support, and the constructive criticism that I've gotten, which is always very uh, granted. I'm okay with that. I love to learn as we are all learning uh, on this experience as being a dad. I want to do a shout out. Thank you for a couple of businesses here in Albuquerque, my own real estate team, Navigation Realty Group. Thank you, ladies and gent, uh, for all your support uh, when it comes to the podcast, as well as a local boutique called Above Snakes here in Old Town Albuquerque is a men's boutique. I'm actually wearing the shirts, uh, a couple of rings and a bolo tie from them. They are a great uh, place for dads and men to go and realize you could dress and wear some nice stuff and be very sustainable at the same time. If you guys have any questions or want any updates on the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram. How to Father Pod is the Instagram handle. And if you have any any ideas or want any topics to be uh, mentioned in the future, we do have a we do have a good amount. I think about seven episodes kind of planned out. So we have a good handful coming up here soon. But if you have any topics or anything like that, uh, send us an email at how, howtofatherpod at gmail.com. So P-O-D, howtofatherpod at gmail.com. But furthermore, episode four, we are here and we are here with another wonderful, illustrious guest. We are here with Sky. How's it going, sir? Uh, it's going great, man. That intro is spot on it's amazing and the community supporting you the people around it it's been amazing not only to see from the outside in but to be here and be a part of it so i'm honored no i'm honored to have you here yes it's a great uh again this podcast is just it's for dads let us know that it's okay to a ask for help and to kind of learn from each other as uh my the last episode with ted thank you ted for uh, being there last episode he was touching on the importance of when your kids are in a, an emotional state to kind of say, instead of saying, what's wrong with you, look back and kind of find, okay, how did they get to this point? And uh, that happened with Max and I sent my friend Ted a text on that and, and, I, and I, it reminded me, I mean, I was sitting there like, what's the matter? Let me, okay, all right, I can see that happen, that happened. Oh, I stepped on your balloon animal in the morning. That's why you're sad. That's why you're kind of reserved. I'm sorry again, and then you kind of go from there. So it's been a great learning experience for me. But enough about me. Tell me about yourself, Sky. Where are you from, your experience, everything else, and all that in between? Well, I appreciate it. I started out by saying that you all, I'll continue that. I mean, the work you're doing is no small feat. And I, for the people out there that are listening, they need to know what you do is amazing. So thank you for not only opportunity and the time to get a chance to sit here, but for you to invest your time, not only me, but in doing all the work that it takes to, to get this out there, to put it out there on the waves, to make sure that it can change a life. And I, I've known you for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. My mustache, I thought was cool at some point, but it was never as cool as yours. So in New Mexico, you are the most interesting man in New Mexico. <laughs> um, and I've, I've always aspired to have a mustache like yours, but as a father too, I've aspired to find other fatherly figures who have the heart, have the passion that you have, and that is shown here. So thank you for 
the opportunity to just sit on this couch, to sit across from you, to share a little bit about that. Because people don't quite understand how much heavy lifting goes into this and how much time and thought thoughtfulness and passion goes into it so i appreciate that thank you well for thank that. you very much and i'll tell you this if you have a mustache that's all that matters that's right uh bare-faced mortals out there um <laughs> it's okay you guys get at least attempt to have a mustache but um yes thank you sky yeah. very the humble i'm very humbled for those, those wonderful words it, again this takes a village it takes a village to do this and so i'm honored to have you on so tell us a little bit about yourself yeah definitely so i'll, I'll start by saying that you know in in this moment one of the things that i've noticed is that Time, right, is the most significant resource we have. Investing our time in our family, in, for myself, I'm a born-again Christian, and at the same time, too, work in the marketing field. I work in Web3, which is a whole new world to open up. Uh, The transition between Web2 and Web3 is, right now, people are familiar with cryptocurrency. They're familiar Mm -hmm. with cybersecurity. But more importantly, it's about how do we protect ourselves and our kids as okay. they approach that world, right? Yes. Right now, it's playing Roblox. It's playing Fortnite. It's those types of worlds where they're going to have daily interactions with other people. Majority of the time, it's people either misrepresenting themselves intentionally for fun, but what if they're misrepresenting themselves intentionally to do harm to somebody else? Exactly. The goal has always been in Web3, in the communities that I build and and in the structure that we're doing, how to not only take care of those children as they're, you know, breaching that process, but also to help a father in that world know and understand and how to navigate that. Okay, so that's yeah. kind of my daily life. And at the same time, too, that time that I mentioned in being in- invested, like, we have so little time if we think about it really, in everything yeah. that we're doing. And we really need to take a chance to sit down and take a step back and say, where do I invest my time and what's most important? And that's usually my challenge to myself every day is a daily reflection, which is where am I investing my time and how am I able to do that? And uh, I, you know, I equate that to the word significance. I was always asked by my mentors, if you had to, to sit down and equate everything to one word, what would that one word be? And I always thought, well, love, because I love everybody. Or yeah, exactly. you know, passion, because I put passion into everything. But that one word for me was always, I, I noticed it was significance, lending my time to significant things, just like this. Like I mentioned when we first started, there is no other place that I'd rather be than sitting across from you and potentially having a conversation that can help change a life out there. Exactly. Right? And it's not about changing everybody's life. It's not about changing the world on a global scale single-handedly. It's about hopefully getting a chance to maybe make one effective change in somebody else's life out there. That's enough. And daily, we need to do that with our kids as well. So you know, my background and, and who I am. I was born and raised here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Obviously, that's where we got a chance to exactly. meet. I went to Albuquerque High. Go Bulldogs. That's right. And I uh, was a UNM Lobo. And, you know, the thing about you, Albuquerque is it's, it's a very unique and eclectic space. Exactly. The, the spot for Albuquerque is so such a, a rich environment if you want to put time and effort into finding the right people, finding the right groups, investing in the right thing. It can also be a dangerous place. It can also be a scary place. And at the same time, too, it's amazing. But like I said, it's a place where you got to be careful. And so with that time and with that significance and with everything we're doing, investing time and growing a family here is is something that not only my passion about, but kids, right? And so we'll talk about it. But I have five kids that are seven and younger. Jeez. (laughs) Let's sleep. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and we talk about it too. You know, I'm a born again Christian. Okay. Um, and 
you know, it's one of those things where everybody's like, how do you do it? Right. Like, how do you make time for that? Like you said, what is sleep? You know, I, God doesn't necessarily equip you first and then call you. He calls exactly. you and then he equips exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. And so I didn't have everything figured out to be like, oh yeah, we're going to have five kids. That's easy. It's going to be, every day is going to be a breeze. No, most of the time it's hard. Most of the time it's not as easy as it should be. But at the same time, we're learning through that process. My wife and I are working through that process. And shout out to her. My wife, Sherry, is not only an amazing woman, but amazing support. And together we are raising some pretty beautiful humans on the inside and on the outside. Exactly. And that's something that I think that is, you know, it's, it's amazing to see. But like without her, without these kiddos, I wouldn't be me. And yeah. so, you know, it's that process of these kids are, are amazing. They've made me who I am now. And they will make me who I am for the rest of my life. And my goal is to just invest that time in them, making sure that every daily interaction we have is worthwhile, exactly. that it's life-changing and in some sort of way. And uh, I try to bring that, that impactfulness on a, on a major scale, but, mm-hmm. uh, but it's hard sometimes. So, yeah. You know, yeah, it is. And then that's the thing. Um, and when you have, I, I was funny, the other day I was looking, I was like, well, I have Camden. He's about to turn 10. And I was like, Wait, I was I've been raising a kid for ten years, for a decade. Like, hold hold on a second. When I had Camden, twenty eight, twenty nine, I could probably still barely tie my shoe. Like it, you 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 think of these things in your stage life stage, and like you said, we don't usually have the tools. The the God doesn't call you and say, oh, well, you'll figure it out. You already have the tools. You, you just got to trust in God or, or or your abilities or whatnot. And really, at the end of the day. You trust in love. You trust in, okay, I'm going to love and take care of these kids. So when it comes to having five kids and all this, because I remember the first time, people were like, wait, what? You have how many kids? You have, <laughs> wait, huh? Oh, I had yeah. one. I have two. I have three. I, I can't even imagine another one, let right. alone two more or three more. Uh, when it comes to that, I know you homeschool. Correct. And how is that? Because you so all under seven, so that means Correct. you got a little one. A yeah. little, little we one. We have a newborn. Yeah. Brand new. Yeah, it's three months old. So how is that transition of seven, I gotta, we got to teach and learn and comfort and care right. to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Oh, there's a baby. And, and sure, babies are easy. They cry and they cry and you feed them and you change a diaper and then they sleep and then they cry. So it's pretty nice. I told my sister, like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till she walks. Like, no. Delay that. They're going to walk the rest of their life. Like, <laughs> yeah. The mo- moment they become mobile, the moment you're like, well, things shoot, change. things change very yeah. quick. But when it comes to the homeschooling, and how does that, are you a part of that? Is it your wife, Sherry, that's doing the homeschooling? Is it a cooperative event? I know you work from home. How, how does that look? Yeah. So early on, we both knew, without talking to each other about it, but when we came together to make the decision to homeschool, it was definitely a God decision. It was yeah. not only placed on our heart, but we felt it was our purpose. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with school. And if you're a teacher that's listening, thank you for what you do. You are undervalued, underpaid, underappreciated. Especially middle school teachers. And everything else, right, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it is that challenge of, like, school isn't what it used to be. You may get a really great teacher here and there, but it's hard to get a great teacher every year and have consistency. Exactly. And you asked me, and I'll, I'll mention it now, but, you know, and I'll reference it a few different times, but one of the, the questions you asked is like, you know, what are three words of advice for current or future dads? I'll mention them now and I'll say that because I'll also pepper them in 
throughout the rest of the time. But your the words of advice that I would have for a dad that's either now or going to be a dad in the future is to be present, to be patient, and to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And in education and school and in religion and church, a lot of those things are missing. They're either not consistent or they're not present when they need to be, or the change that needs to be affected is lost somewhere between the human and the person who's doing the work with the kids. And so there are some amazing people out there. There are amazing teachers out there. But at the same time, school, as it's structured in a public sense, is not what it used to be. And so we knew public school was not going to be an option. And so we immediately sat down and we said, okay, if it's not public school, what is it? Is it a charter school? Is it a Montessori school? We've exactly. definitely drawn to everything Montessori. Like we love the process of exactly. how to teach, how to educate, smaller numbers, more passion, more involvement, exactly. involving parents in the process. All of that was there. And then we thought, well, if we were to do that, how would we do that outside of the house now that we have a growing you know, number of kids? We were on our third kid at the time, going into four, and we didn't have five yet, of course. But the process was, can we do this from home and homeschool? Okay. Or should we look for a charter school or something that's close? And uh, we both knew that moment we talked about it that it was placed on our heart. God wanted us to homeschool our kids. Okay, yeah. And I think the big thing with that is, you know, in this hustle culture world of mom and dad both working parents sending their kids to school, having very limited interaction with like what they're doing at school, when they come home, how they do it. Like that wasn't what we wanted. We knew that that wasn't what a family unit was supposed to be. Exactly. We wanted to be present. We wanted to be patient with them, work through the process, find a way that worked for each of the kids. And we wanted them to have that consistency in everything. So yeah, so you'd ask, am I involved? Yes. Uh, Less now early starting okay. so we have our daughter who's seven she just turned seven okay so she finished kindergarten this last year mm-hmm. so uh very excited for her she's got a huge imagination she loves music loves to dance she's in ballet but her daughter cadence is amazing and so she just finished kindergarten and and then we have two younger ones that are either pre-k or okay, you yeah, know kind of yeah. preschool age so we have a five-year-old and then right below that we have the three-year-old okay so seven five three and uh, my son just turned five, so Cadence is seven, Kingston is five, and then Kaylee is three. Okay. And uh, the two younger ones in, in preschool, they're, they're doing very similar things to what older sister is doing. Yeah. They're also part of the school, and it takes time to think about how do you organize your house, how do you organize yeah. the structure, how do you teach, what are you going to teach, right? You go into this thinking, you got to know a lot about it, but... To be honest, I mean, we're still in the beginning stages of it, but it, they, they teach themselves, you know? Like, at yeah. that age, they're such sponges. They want to know everything. Exactly. They want to work through it all. They want to find out how, how the world works, and they want to do it themselves. And I think the beauty of homeschool with us is, like, we get to let them do that. We give them free reign to figure it out on their own. There's no necessarily, uh, not necessarily a time limit to like, oh, we're starting school at nine, we're done at 11, right? It's school can be different throughout the day as we go. It can be different as we approach, let's go to the zoo. Hey, we're learning about this today. Exactly. Daddy loves photography. My daughter loves doing videos and photography as well. And not only being in front of the camera, but taking the pictures and like learning about the animals and the process. So it's, 
it's fun because we get to, to do that on our own time. And I think that that's what homeschooling has afforded us is just the ability to slow down, to be patient, and to just let them learn at a pace that's consistent for them. And then we can, we can build on that. So that's where we're at. We haven't graduated all the kids yet. Yeah, you know, we yeah. got 20 more years, right? That clock keeps resetting. Every time we have a kid, I'm like, yeah, 18 more years. Yeah, 18 more years before we're done. So, uh, so we just had a baby. So we got 18 more years exactly. at least until we're done. Um, but, but part of that is, too, we knew that even in public school, I mentioned, you know, Albuquerque being a great place, but again, being a scary place. We didn't want to restrict or hold our kids back from the real world. We want them to experience the real world. We want them to be a part of it. But we also want to equip them with the right tools to take that on, which a lot of the time get overlooked. And like I mentioned, some of those tools are just patience and love Mm -hmm. and kindness. And we feel like a lot of that got overlooked. So for us, that decision of homeschooling was easy. You know, we prayed about it. God put it on our hearts. And then we didn't know what we were doing or how we were doing it, but we just walked into it. Well, homeschooling is very similar to Montessori. My boys are both in the Montessori school, That's right, yeah. Montessori the Rio Grande. And um, it's, it's nice to see, especially at that age, it's their pace. They're, and the Montessori, pro, the Montessori program is Camden could be excelling at math, but his interest is in art. So the teachers look at it, oh, you're good at math, so let's just focus on this. Like, no, where, where are your interests at? Because the kids, they flow. They are yeah. one moment they love dinosaurs, the next moment they love trains, and then they're <laughs> in this and into that. And you have to flow with it. And right. there's and patience is a big thing. You look at toys or materials or different things, you go on and you're like, oh, this is great. We're gonna do all this. Like, oh, I don't care about trains anymore. So Ted, the guy who was on last week, his wife, uh, their oldest son, um, loved trains, was absolutely just train, train galore. They went to the Chama train, the Chama Toltec train up in northern New Mexico. Some of my favorite moments as a favorite memories as a kid are from that the Cumbres and Toltec yeah, scenic Cumbres railroad and Toltec, yeah, in, Chama, in northern New Mexico. Uh, taking that trip with my parents and just enjoying it. I love it all. But you have a kid who's train galore. I mean, he, if you hear from Ted, you sit down. They had trains, everything trained this, trained that, whatever the case is, right? But at the end of the day, they get on the train. She said they're about thirty minutes in. He's like, okay, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have this kid that's like choo-choo galore, not just like Thomas the Train, but just like, I love trains, I love all that. And then he gets on this train, this very historic, beautiful, scenic train. He's like, ah, okay, I'm done. Yep. And so, but that's the parenting, right? <laughs> you have to learn how to adapt and adjust yes. to their their likes and dislikes. And that's the beautiful thing about the Montessori program. And it sounds like homeschooling with you guys yes. is you can focus not just on their strengths, but on their likes and, and what, what they're interested in. Because to me, education is one thing. Imagination is probably the most important component to education. Because if you can't imagine, you can't have fun with what you're learning, you're going you're gonna to burn yourself out. Um, <laughs> and that's something that I love about the Montessori program. And it seems like with your homeschooling, yeah. because there is no true rhyme or reason to these kids learning, but they're learning. Right. There's no true rhyme or reason. You look, I remember when we were like, what do we put our kid in for kindergarten? We put him in, we, I think we registered, golly, for like 10 charter schools for kindergarten. Didn't get in any of them. And we're like, well, shoot. And it was about two weeks before actual school started. We didn't have him registered for our local school. Then we finally get the call from Montessori. And we're like, oh, thank goodness. And thank God they have a grandfather program in with the, with the kids coming in type of thing, the siblings. But with that being said, it was very, it was scary because... 
I wanted to make sure that they had this school experience, this learning experience, but plus having an actual experience about the world and life and all this other stuff. And it's a very, a very uh, unique school when it comes to the demographics. It's very, very diverse, a very diverse school, which is super awesome. Um, it's a very, uh, the teachers are very just kind of focused on the kids, like homeschool. They, they could be one-on-one or they could be in a small group setting. Or And the nice thing that, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong, the, the Montessori school is K3, K4, kindergarten is one class. First, second, and third is a class, and fourth and fifth is a class. So you have your kids. So you look at your kids. You have your oldest as the leader, right? And I look at Max. Max was in the K3, K4, kindergarten. Now he's at the first grade. So he was able to kind of learn how to follow their peers. Then he became the little leader of the class. And now he's going into the first, second, third grade. Now he goes from the leader to more of a follower, kind of, okay, there's some bigger kids. But there's something unique about the first and the third graders, the third graders helping out the first graders, and them learning together. And I think it accelerates the younger ones to learn a little faster, a little stronger, get more excited about learning things that are maybe above where they're at at that point. But also the older ones, like your oldest, she could be like, come on, guys. She could be, in a sense, an auxiliary teacher Absolutely. because she already learned these little things, uh, these different things. And she could teach her brother and sisters those same things. So yep. um, tell me, is that something that you guys thought about during the process? We're like, you know, what? I want to God put on our heart to homeschool to see that kind of transition of we're not just homeschooling teaching everyone their ABCs and one, two, threes, but we're teaching leadership. We're teaching um, how to help each other out. And really when they get older, because you're going to have them in middle school and then high school, that really they're going to kind of be self-taught in a lot of different ways and helping each other out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned like, is that part of it? I think innately you want that to be a part of it. I think you do have to structure in, you know, the thought process of that. Part of that is in the words that we share, right? So with Cadence, our oldest, uh, we've we've there have been very been there have been few times that we have held her back from like assisting with the kids, and that's usually when it's something where it's like we can't carry the baby all the way across the the room and throw the baby around. Like you got to be a little bit more patient. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. But she has always been a great helper. She's always been somebody who wanted to to not only help with the kids, but take care of them as they were growing. And it was kind of expected, right? She's been there through all of them, right? Mm -hmm. So they're all about two years apart, give or take. Okay. uh, Anywhere between 16 months and, you know, 18 months or or two years. And so she's been there for the four younger ones. So she's used to that process of like, okay, can you grab a diaper for me? And we used to have to ask that when it was just her younger brother and her. Yes. And now, like... It's just built into her where she's like, okay, I got this. I'll, I'll go make lunch for everybody. She's seven years old. She's making sandwiches for herself, her younger brother, and her younger sister. And she'll usually do it for everybody else too. Some of the beautiful things is I, I sit back and I reflect. And one of the things that I try to do every day as a father is remember when I was younger, not only what did I think in that moment, but what would have helped me if, if it was different. Exactly. And I think in this scenario, and especially with homeschooling, I used to think about like, <laughs> funny story, I went to kindergarten, I went to Bel Air Elementary here. Yep. Again, amazing teachers. Mrs. Ratliff was my teacher. 
Mr. Lefkowski was my principal. I know that because I was very connected to them. I wanted to like give back to the school, and I was the one who was like picking up the trash and started a group like the Power Rangers. Like the, I was the Power Club. We wore the yeah. shirts. We were out there picking up the school after hours. We were mediators. There was a mediation yep, program, yep, and that yep. was when everything was like pillars of the community were there, and character counts was just getting started. And I was like, man, I'm going to stand on these. Like, yeah, I'm going to help you mediate your problem. And I'd wear a vest and walk around and help people mediate problems on play yard, uh, playground on the yard. And uh, for my daughter, she very much does that just by herself. She wants to be like, okay, I'll help out with that. Well, how can I help with this, yeah. right? And I think it's just that and in general, not only is she comfortable being an older sister because she's part of the family and our family values are instilled in her. You know, our family values, we take care of each other, we love each other, we help each other, and we take care of other people, we love other people, and no matter what we do, we are going to do that no matter if we're in the house or out of the house, but especially if we're there. For her, there's no difference really between school and home. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think the beauty of that is that it gives her the comfortability to kind of grow in that realm as a leader where, again, like I said, very few times have we been like, well, let's wait, slow down a minute, like, be careful, right? Rarely do we say that. A lot of the time it's just sit, watch, let her grow, let her do everything. But she is amazing at going that extra mile for doing the extra work and helping. It's not always easy. No, you know, that, sometimes she does have pushback. Sometimes she does, you know, she doesn't want to help or do specific things. But um, but her heart is so huge that she just wants to do that. And I think that that's because it is family. But now, as she's gotten older, she just doesn't do that just with us. She does that outside of the house. And at seven, you know, when she, well, she was six just recently, but six going into seven, like seeing her do that, is amazing, right? Like, it's a proud moment for me yeah. to get a chance to sit back and be like, oh, not only is she taking care of her family, but she's also taking care of that younger kid on the playground. You know, she's taking care of the other kids that are there that are surrounding her when she's at ballet or doing her thing. And, like, it's just amazing to see. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a very important thing as a parent. You, you want we, we all inspire our kids to be very great at everything you want them to be the best ballerina or the the star basketball player you want all these different things and when and when it comes to it at the end of the day it's you really kind of like i don't know what kind of kid i'm gonna really have like until you actually <laughs> kind of get into it and until you really kind of step back and you really see okay hey there is a difference with um how these how my kids are interacting when it comes to school, when it comes to homeschooling or schooling, if it's a traditional Montessori, charter, private, public, whatever, I remember growing up the same thing. I was part of the patrol. So we had our little yellow little sash, <laughs> Sashes, yeah. and we made sure everyone got on the school bus, and we did all. And it was funny because I was, I think I started in third or fourth grade, fourth grade, Mr. Turner. Mr. Turner was one of my favorite teachers of all time uh, there in Maryland, Phyllis C. Williams. And um, he was like, hey, I think you'd be a good patrol and I thought, like, oh, those are a bunch of geeks. Like, they're over here telling us what to do. Like, and of course, and then, oh, those are the narcs. They're talking. And really, at the end of the day, we're just like, oh, we're just here to help you. We're not here to, like, do anything but help, be a help to you guys. And then seeing the kids, I pick up the kiddos every day from school. Um, and we go to the park. And I see them. And if a kid falls down, I see not just my boys, but all the kids kind of just rally. And it, it's one of the, the best feelings 
Because you're not just looking at it as, okay, hey, my kid's doing great. My kid is this. And sure, there's pushback. There's time where I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that. But then you look at it like, okay, you have your own voice. You have your own, you have your own psyche of like, hmm, you know what? I don't know if I'm either feeling this or that. I'm okay, I'm okay with that. If you don't want someone to hug you, say, I don't want you to hug me. And that's completely fine. I don't care if it's family or whatever the case is. And I will never force them to do anything they don't want to do. And I'm glad that they're getting to that point where they can have the cognitive understanding of yes and no. That's big. And it really is big. And especially, we'll, we'll touch on this on, I have two boys, you have some girls. And we'll talk about the difference in the values that you want to instill in your boys and your sons and your daughters at the same time. But with that being said, it's a very... Unique sight. I remember one of the kids, uh, Asa, he fell, he cut his leg, and all the kids, like, you see them, check on the kid, and then they have, like, this epiphany, like, wait, my dad has a first aid kit. Well, my mom has a first aid kit. But the, and they all ran, can we get a band aid? Can we get the band aid? And so we're like, they are, so they're already thinking steps ahead of how to help this little kid out. That's awesome. And, and, I, and I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm like, you know what? We're not just, because we're not raising kids, we're not raising seven-year-olds or six or five or toddlers or babies or three months old we're raising humans and as crazy as this world is and as it continues to be i see this empathetic generation being just built up and sure when i was in i remember in elementary school there was a lot of bullies there was a lot of stuff happening there was a lot of i mean remember second grade was like my first like legit fight and over a, over something probably minuscule. I bet you won because you're a huge dude. You're I, I did win. And speaking <laughs> of Mr. Turner, in fourth grade, there was a girl named Roxanne Gamble who was like the cutest little fourth grader out there. And there was a guy, a kid named Martin who was like the cl- he was like the popular kid. And then for whatever reason, it found out that Roxanne thought I was cute. And Martin got upset. And he was like, "Oh no, no, no." And he said, hey, Rox, Rox, Roxy was my girl. And I'm like, cool. Like, I, good for you. Like, I, and, and this was our field day. So I don't yeah. know if they still We had field days into yeah. the school year. And so it was like, we got to stake your claim before the summer because in next year, then you're, because we were headed to fifth grade next year. And then in Maryland, we went up to sixth grade for elementary. So elementary in sixth grade. I think it's sixth and seventh. Or no, no, sixth grade's here. No, fifth grade is in elementary here sixth seventh eighth is it correct yeah fifth yes yeah. elementary here. and so sixth grade is was our last year of elementary and it was upper l then we had um middle school then we had junior high then we had high school and junior high was freshman sophomore high school junior junior senior and there were different legit different schools for those but he was maybe nervous that maybe roxanne would have been my girlfriend or whatnot and i was like uh cool whatever <laughs> and yeah. i we get in a fight get in a little tussle I remember getting on top of him and like kind of slapping him around. And then the big, not the little kickball, the big rubber kickball yeah. hit me in the back of the head. I just remember tumbling. And Mr. Turner was so sad that he hit me, but he had to break it up. And he threw the ball and took us both out. And we're, imagine fourth grader just rolling in the dirt, getting blown up by this ball. But I remember that. And I sit there and I'm looking at Cam. Then, of course, the kids get into little arguments about Pokemon cards and this, this, and that. But I look at it in general. I'm like, man, there's empathy with these kids 
Because yeah. I reached out, I saw Martin on um, Facebook probably like 10 years ago. I'm like, oh man, that's my old classmate. Sent him a thing. The dude blocked, like, sent me a message, like, don't reach out to me, block me. I'm like, dude, that was fourth grade, man. Like, you're, you're still holding on to that? Like, I live on the other side of the country now. Like, yeah. holy smokes. Like, you got a wife and kids, and it's not her. Oh, yeah. It's someone else. Like, dude, like, it's. But you, I see this generation of these young kids, these young humans being, like, very empathetic. And, and at least, of course, my vision of it is very limited to what I see with my kids and the interactions of that. And it's same with you. Like, you see what your kids do and, with, and how they interact. But I feel that as dads, it's very important for us to show that it's okay to help other people. It's okay to not be the number one this or number two that. It's okay to, like, let people kind of score a goal. And they're like, oh, no, we got to win. We got to Like, no, it's okay not to win. It's okay to let other people have glory. It's okay to have let other people feel triumph and feel this. And you better make sure that you're there to help them up. And so that's something that I feel that the school that I, and of course, again, it's not on me. I'm not a perfect dad at all by any stretch of the imagination. But I see the teaching. I see the peers that they have around them. And I see these things and I see them picking up on these little oh you know what I should probably do this or I see my and and it's not it's again a community thing where you see these kids that are very just interested in just helping each other out and uplifting each other uh, they had a poetry a uh, little snap snap poetry reading at the end had a tea and little crumpets and all kinds of fun stuff <laughs> in school it was a beautiful fun time Sounds awesome. and they were just encouraging these kids it felt it felt like a like a black church like you got it baby take your time you got this like <laughs> growing up you're like you got this you got let let the lord speak and they're just saying their little poems talking about like pokemons or whatever the case is <laughs> but you see how excited these kids were to work together to help each other out to cheer each other on and all this fun stuff and so uh that right there again in the setting of a school and the mm-hmm. setting of a homeschool teaches them these values that really, honestly, I probably don't remember being taught as a kid. I mean, in a way, yes, but out within the home, your mom, my grandparents, my grandma, all these pastors and reverends are telling you how to love and how to treat other people. But when it came to the outside world, it's like, ah, it's a dog eat dog world. You got to figure it out. Like yeah. you, know, you got to yeah. do this. And so to hear that from your point of view is it's pretty special. Yeah. And to be to speak to what you were saying, like the world is a different place now than when it was when we were growing up. I mean, gone are the days that you can just run outside and be gone exactly. in the city all day. Come home when it's dark, right? Like yeah, we talked about that last episode. Yeah, yeah. and I didn't say, and you mentioning that, I, I I sat down and reflected because I was like, wow, yeah, you know what? Every day is a challenge internally for us as parents to not only make a difference or make each day significant for the kids, but also it's a challenge to just not only keep them safe, but keep up with, you know, where things are at, you know, where society is and then giving them and instilling in them everything that they need to go out and tackle that. So seeing that your kids do that, that empathy is a part of their daily life is, it's crucial. Something that we want to instill in our kids too. So, and I will tell you this, it was all their mom. Their mom taught them. <laughs> I, it, because, I mean, I, used, I grew up in this. My mom was a single mom, but she was army, very strict drill sergeant type of thing. And it was, I was pretty much, I grew up as the man of the household. Mm-hmm. I was like 
I got to be this. I got to do this. And it was that whole rub some dirt on it. You're fine. Do this. And I went from the mentality of you're okay, put a Band-Aid on it, to, okay, you have two paths now. You cut, you scrape your leg. It hurts. I know it hurts. It doesn't hurt me, but it hurts me seeing you hurting. But let's figure out, can you A, either go and let's sit and look at this and just like, ah, oh, my leg. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, oh, let me get my keys. Let's cut it off. Type of thing, <laughs> joking around. No, it's fine. But um, it's not that bad. Daddy. It's not exactly. <laughs> um, and then you do that and or you have the, the mentality of, OK, how do I get better? Yeah. How do I look at this cut? What are my next steps mm-hmm. to get better? Mm-hmm. And I used to be the dad. I'm like, oh, yeah, just put some dirt on it. You'll be fine <laughs> to now. OK, all right. You got a cut. Let's see. Can, what do we need to do? Let's clean it off. Let's get some neosporin on it. Do you want a band-aid? Yes or no? You don't want a band-aid? You want to air it out? You want to let, you want to let the earth kind of just control that? Sure. Perfect. Right. Or you can um, just like put a band-aid on it and pretty much really set it forget. It's funny how you put a band-aid on things and the kids are like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And they just run off like nothing ever happened. Yeah. I think they just want the band-aid more than anything else. <laughs> They want the kissy from they, that. They, right? want, the, like they, they want the kiss. But, yeah. <laughs> but then that, then that kiss makes sh- everything better. That again shows the empathy, right? Like, yeah. oh, I got a boo-boo. Can you give it a kiss? And if you're like, oh, no, put some dirt on it. You're fine. When I was your age, I got my whole arm was <laughs> off and I had to reattach it because I fought a dinosaur. Whatever yeah. the case is. Right. Instead of like, okay, let me come down to your level. Figure out where you're yes, at. Because is. your pain clearly isn't my pain but I don't know what you're really feeling. Right. So let me see what I can do to help you out as, as much as possible. And you're seeing that in a big grand scale, at least what I'm seeing with these kids helping each other, each other out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a couple of times where Camden and his little buddies at five, six, seven, eight got little tiffs and like, oh no. And the, and because us parents are like, oh, we got to figure it out. We got to like, let's go to ice cream. Let's like make them. And like, nope. And they handled it themselves and they figured yeah. each other out. They talked, they said, they, and it wasn't just like, I'm sorry I did this. It's like, this is why I did this, this, and I'm sorry I made you feel that way. Or you know what? This is what you made me feel like. I didn't like that. And then the kid's like, I, okay, I recognize that. So you're starting to see this little shift. Hmm. Hopefully it's not too yeah. late, but you start to see <laughs> this little shift in this empathetic way of living. Right. And it seems like that's what you're instilling in your kids. Yeah. So now as a father of daughters, <laughs> and of sons. Yeah. There's probably, there's the same path, but then there's two different paths of raising your kids Absolutely. and kind of what you want them to be. And yeah. I'm going to put throw a disclaimer. You're going to hear a buzz. We're in a room and we are melting. So I'm going to put the AC on <laughs> because it is hot. And, um, and yeah, so you might hear a little buzz. If not, don't worry about that. It's like the ocean or something, the wind blowing around. You're going to hear it right now because... <laughs> It is warm. It, it was 107 today in Albuquerque, yeah, which is rare for Albuquerque, and it's not going to get any cooler. Um, so you, you hear it now, and I can feel it. Oh, it feels so good. So <laughs> AC's on. You're going to hear that buzz, that kind of hum in the background. I do yeah. apologize, but I don't because we're hot, and it's going to feel better now. So well, I appreciate it. To answer that question, or to, to back to the question, yeah. raising the difference between raising boys and girls, because so far... We've only talked to boy dads. Ted, two boys. Mm. Myself, two yeah. boys. Now we're throwing some girl dads in there, and I know that <laughs> is completely different. Yeah, we. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I get asked the question to two questions. One, which is, uh, what's easier, boy or girl? And depending on the day, it's it's either or. But I think 
the girls have always been easier. We have three boys and two girls. Uh, now, our two youngest are boys, so I have a seven-year-old daughter and then a three-year-old daughter. And then I have a five-year-old son, an 18-month-old son, and then we have a three-month-old son. So the boys aren't quite a handful yet. They're still either in diapers or between yes. the, the three-year-old and the 18-month-old. Like, they'll get yes. there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So the two things that we do that are different, I, I think, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, when we were talking about it too, you were talking about like dad lessons, what did I learn? And at the same time too, what do I instill in them? I think, you know, one of the thing that you just touched on is you have to be, as a dad, no matter if it's a boy or a girl, a daughter, a son, like you have to be really good at redirecting, right? Redirect the pain, redirect the frustration that they have in that moment. But I do level change with my kids okay. where... They come in the room, they're crying, they're frustrated, they're upset. I'm like, I get down at their level, and I try to see things in their perspective. You start out this podcast by saying, they may be frustrated later in the day, but it's because of something previously that happened, right? Exactly. They're upset, not necessarily that sister took the thing or their brother really just stepped on them. They're upset about something else in that, exactly. you know, yep. in that moment and kind of built up. And so I get down to their level and I say, hey, what's going on? You okay? Like, talk to me. You know, and we just have this conversation where we're open, we're honest with each other. And then in general, like that direction then goes differently between the boys and the girls. Right. A lot of the time, my five year old is very energetic. He's very excited about stuff and he's a little stronger than the seven year old sister and the rest of the kids. And sometimes he'll hurt them. Incidentally, they're wrestling and he yeah, just happens yeah. to like, ah, I'm going to no. wrestle. And uh, I'm like, I sit him down. I'm like, hey. You are smaller than your seven-year-old sister right now, but you're probably stronger in certain ways. So with my son, I sit him down and I say, hey, you know, our job is to love the girls. Our job is to take care of the girls. I said, you love mommy. You love your sister. You have to protect them, right? That's a very different story because at that moment, I know he's like, he's got the message and now we need to move on, right? Like I can't go very long with him in a back and forth conversation where I want him to learn something. It has to be less than a minute or else he'll, he won't get it. Like, yeah, exactly. And I've already learned that, too. And I think that's the big part of it is I, I focus on my wife and I. We've done a lot of personality development in the community marketing that we've done, in the community building that we've done. And a lot of it has been personality types and understanding personality traits. And the five love languages is something I'd recommend to everybody oh, yeah. no matter great. what. It's great, yeah. Not only for communication and relationship building between husband and wife or spouse and boyfriend and girlfriend, but... As a father doing that with your kids, I look to see, like, with each of my kids, what do they need? And so I start there as that baseline. Okay, I know that this child is personal time. Mm-hmm. Did they get personal yeah. time today? Because if not, they're probably just frustrated that they didn't get some one-on-one time with mom or one-on-one time with dad. Or they feel that their time is being stepped on by everybody else in that moment. They wanted to go do a dance and perform for the rest of the family. But sister came in and changed the, the, the Alexa, right? Like we have Alexa yeah, exactly. in the house. She yeah. came in and changed the song. And so therefore she didn't get to finish her song. So it's not so much that the song changed. It's just that she wanted that one-on-one time and it got interrupted, right? So I always start there. Foundation of like, what is it? But our boys, of course, have to take care of the girls. And I instill that like in my oldest. And I will do that with the, the two youngest. Yes. And at the same time too, with the girls, then it, the daughters, it's, it's always, it's a little bit different. With both of them, I want to make sure that they know that it is a safe space to come to me 
to talk to me. I want them to be real and open and honest as much as possible. You don't get in trouble for just doing something simple or small or making a mess or an accident. We, we all get frustrated. I try to catch myself in that moment and say, hey, we spilled macaroni or we made the van a mess, we did whatever, but like, I need to know to not be angry in that moment. I was always taught to like major on the majors and minor on the minors. And if it doesn't matter in five years, it probably right, doesn't matter now, right? So same thing with the kids, right? Like homeschooling is a big deal. Do we, where do we do it? How do we do it? Those are big things, major things. If somebody got hurt just by accident, it's not a big thing. It's probably a minor. We don't need to focus on it very long. So with the boys, it's a minute or less. But with the girls, it's a little bit more like, come here, relax. Hey, tell me about it. What happened? They want to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. They also want to say like, well, I just, I didn't feel like he loved me in that moment. Or, I, you know, brother hurt my feelings when he did this, right? Two completely different conversations. And we do spank our children, but it's on a very, very rare occasion when I want them to know. And I tell them before we do it, I tell them like, hey, I'm doing this because I love you. And I'm doing this because I want you to remember something. Yeah. It is never done out of anger. It's never done in a situation where I want them to feel anything. It's not the physicality of it. It's the emotional state that they're in. We need to reset. My Thinking back to it, you know, my daughter, the last time, one of the last times she got spanked was because she lied about eating snow. And it wasn't necessarily that she ate snow that was the problem. But I was like, hey, let's stop doing that. She went around the corner of the house. She hid and then she did it anyway. It was the disobedience. Mm-hmm. It was the hiding. And then it was the, she came back and I watched her do it. And then I asked her, I was like, hey, where were you? She's like, oh, I was just over there. So like, what were you doing? Well, I was playing. Well, did you eat snow? No, dad. No, I did not. Listen, I saw you do it. That was a lie. Hey, we need to go inside. You know, let's talk about this. And so with the girls and then with the boys, it's a very different strategy. But as a girl dad, right, like I have the two girls, they enjoy the quiet time, the peaceful time, the one-on-one time, the, you know, personal interaction that they would have from that moment. Even if they're frustrated, even if they got hurt or something else happened, what's more important is that, hey, I have your attention and that you're here. And I think that's another big thing, both with homeschooling and then also with the five kids that we have to be very aware of and cognizant of is that, we have to be present with them and in that moment as much as possible because it's easy to get distracted or be on a phone while they're in the room mm-hmm. or doing something different. But my wife and I are very like, very much remind each other like, hey, let's be present in this moment right now with the kids. And as long as you're clear with them, as long as you're present with them, especially when somebody gets hurt because they were wrestling or something happened or somebody took a toy away, hey, I understand you're frustrated. Let's talk about it. The same foundational principles apply. And just to build them back up, it's, you know, they know that this is a safe space. They can come to me, that I'm true and honest with them. I expect them to be truthful and honest with me. And then at the same time, too, I build then then how I break that down with each of the kids. And then for that reason, I have different goals for for the boys and the girls, too. Yeah, okay. And and that, that shows, I mean, even with two boys, just the same way, they're very different in how they interact and how they respond to things uh when it comes to the five love languages i think it's very important to because you want to understand your kids and most a lot of times the kids want to understand themselves too Mm. um when it comes to like max max is a very 
he wants to be he wants to be close and touch and he's very cuddly. Yeah. And then you realize at a point where like Camden, he's a Camden's not really I mean he is, but he'll like come in the bed. I'm like, dude, dude, <laughs> I can't sleep. Like you're a starfish in here. You're so stiff. <laughs> you take up the whole bed, my neck, my every every time I know you're in here, I'm like, I'm just gonna be like a stiff board the next week. Yeah. But then I realized like, oh my gosh, I'm he's when's the last time he's gonna actually want to like be in the room with us. And so it, it, there's that there's those catch 22s of that's big yeah of we gotta cherish every moment we mm. have with them and there's points Absolutely. where as parents we get frustrated like why'd you hit your brother why'd you do this don't do that you're not supposed to instead of backing it up and said okay let's let's figure this out what's going on right. what what's the what's the thing and and when it comes to boys oh man yeah they're <laughs> they see something they climb they jump off of it they try to they need and, yeah. and max who is younger Everything's an adventure. Everything's an adventure. He's five pounds heavier than Camden. So Camden, Max, is a, he's a garbage disposal. He would just eat, 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 eat. I feel so <laughs> sorry for his like future girlfriend, his wife, because he won't touch anything on my plate. But he sees his mom's plate, and he's like, oh, well, uh, what you got over here? And he will almost eat half her plate. We go. To, he's a true New Mexican boy, so if you're familiar with New Mexico, huevos rancheros is like the <laughs> staple. It's his thing, yeah. He will go to Flying Star. There's no kids one. The big bowl one, and he'll just devour it. Red chili, bacon, <laughs> side of green, awesome. scramble eggs. He just, just goes to town. Camden, he eats till he's full. We never tell you, you got it. You didn't finish your food. He eats till he's full, and he's content, and he's at least he's gaining weight, so he's not losing weight. So, all right, he's staying healthy. That's all that matters. But there's going to be a point where the pendulum's going to shift, where the youngest one is going to be bigger than the older one. He's half a shoe size smaller than Camden. And I'm like, Okay, you better get your little picking in as much as you can because <laughs> it's going to change here it's soon. Change, yeah. But it's it's interesting because what you said about the boys protecting the girls. I've always said, and I never wanted to put it on them like you're the man of the house. And I said that once, like Camden, when I'm gone, you're the man of the house. And then Ruby checked me on it, like no, 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 he's not. Like I'm still the parent, I'm still the adult here. I said, no, not in that sense, but in a sense of, but that's how I was raised. When my mom was gone, I was the guy. I, I had to make sure my siblings were taken care of. Make sure, and it was more of like, hey, help your mom out. Like, help right. your mom out. But she's like, no, no, he's still a kid. He's still this. Like, I don't want to put that pressure on him. I said, well, it's not pressure. And then we're going back for, because you know, I mean, maybe you guys have it nailed down to a science. We butthead still a lot of things when it comes to parenting. I feel it's this way. Oh, no, I feel it's that way. Well, we should do it this. We should do it that. And we started seeing a counselor at one point because we're like, our parenting style is like clashing like super hard. And it's getting to the point where the boys are understanding how to play it. Hmm. They're understanding how to, oh, if I do this, I could just cry to mom this way. Or I could do this. I could just tell dad this and all this other stuff. And so we're finally coming to a, a good understanding. That's a tough thing. I mean, Dads out there understand, like, we, as dads, we have a way that we, A, were raised. We have a way that we feel like we should raise, especially mm. men coming to boys. Right. Right? Like, you as a male have a good understanding how males should be raised, how we should be, look at things. And like you said, okay, with my sons, it's a very quick thing. Quick, quick, okay, you're going. With the girls, I know I have to comfort and be more present and more kind of, okay, let's what's going on. And it might take a little longer. And that's something that your wife probably understands a little bit better with your daughters than she would with her sons. And not saying moms don't know how to raise boys or dads don't know how to raise girls, but when it comes to that, 
psychological understanding of the male mindset, I'm not like, Ruby, this is, these are how boys are. And we can't, we, I, I, as a man, I feel like it's important that even if you are in a single household, like a single mom out there, that you have, not in a sense in a relationship figure, but they have some kind of male figure, male influence, because the yeah, male yeah, understanding yeah. of life is a whole lot different than the female one. And not say, and I'm not putting, pinning, oh, men can only do this and women can only do that, nothing like that, but just the psychological uh, makeup that we have, our our DNA and how we react and 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 look at things are different, how we interpret things are different, how we internalize things, we sometimes have to be very quick. Okay, here's our point, period. And sometimes the girls you have to do a little more, okay, let's let's get down to it. Let's kinda let's 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 just do a nice roadmap to this. Boys like, okay, don't do this, this is why do this different. Okay, and then they just kinda run off. And but the girls like, okay, I, I have a little there's more sensitivity to it. And my boys are very sensitive. Which is good. I'm happy that there is a sensitive side to them. But at the end of the day, yep. there's a different uh, way to kind of, in my opinion, to model correction or mm. discipline when it comes to boys versus girls. And, and like you just said, very quick with my sons and, and telling them, hey, here's the redirection. With our daughters, we might have to, I want to say drag it out, but just understand them more. And that's something as fathers, we have to understand our kids because... Even with my two boys, no girls, they're both very different in how I have to correct or redirect them both. Right. Max, I have to sit down, and that's a elongated thing. Camden, I'd sit there like, Camden, look at me. Yo, can look up, and he puts his head down like, nope, look at my eyes. Yeah. I want to know that you're hearing me. We don't do this, and this is why. And he says, okay, Dad, I'm sorry. Okay, Dad, I won't do it again. And then he goes off, and he typically doesn't do it. Max, it's like, all right. Oh man, let me stretch for this one, <laughs> and and we have to lay it out, and we have to do this whole thing, and why, and this, and then, and sometimes he asks questions, but why, but well, but what, why can so and so do this, or why can so and so like, okay, that's fine, what they do, and so he's internalizing it a whole lot different than Camden is. So as fathers, we have right. to find that that healthy balance of how can we connect with our kids, and you brought up a good point, even at a young age. Shoot, we do the Potter Pottermore house for our kids. Like, oh, which how which which uh, house are you? Well, you're Gryffindor, you're Slytherin, you're this. <laughs> Why can't we do the love languages or kind of figuring out where they're at at a young age? And then seeing that evolve as a parent, you're like, okay, this person likes physical touch or mm. likes affirmation or likes gift giving or likes to give gifts or whatever the cases are part of their five love languages. You can kind of see that evolve. And then you could, you want to feel what's good. You want to feel, okay, you're... This is your love language. I want to. I want to emphasize this for you. So when you get older, you could, you're okay expressing and sharing that, and you don't have to revert back. Oh, well, I like to get gifts. Oh, you're a spoiled brat. No, not really. That's just your love language. That's just who you are, and that's okay. And so um, when it comes to your sons and then your daughters, and they're young now. They're little, and there's a little, little, little one. In ten years, what kind of foundation of I would say expectation of who they are, but who, but what they represent when it comes to girls, your daughters, how would you say, okay, hey, this is how I want my values to be instilled so they could be this type of woman. And this is how I want my values instilled into my sons so they could be this type of man. Have you thought of that down the road? I know we don't yeah. ever want to think down further down the road because, <laughs> hey, that means we're going to be old. 
er, we're already getting there. Sure. And B, it's going to mean they're old er as well. So, have you thought of anything of on that notion? Yeah, you know, it's interesting for girls. I think we had a girl first, so I've had more time to think about the, what you're asking about now than even with the boys. And in a certain way, I feel like it might be easier with the boys to kind of let them figure it out on their own. I'll be here to guide. You know, for for the boys, it was always very much like, you know, I, I always tell them they have to be strong, not only spiritually, physically, and emotionally, and being consistent, but they need to be soft-hearted. And at the same time, too, they need to be a protector. But for the girls, one of the big things that I've, I've always mentioned is that I I want them to know that I'm there for them in all things that I'm real and I'm human, that they're real, that they're human, and let them know that I cherish them just unconditionally. I think by me setting that standard and knowing that they can trust me, knowing that they can come to me, no matter what happens, I and I tell them this even when it's something small, like, hey, you can trust me. Let's talk about this. I'm going to be honest with you. I need you to be honest with me. What happened? Like, let's talk about it. The reason I lay that as the foundation and then what their expectations are is that I want them to see me being a gentleman so that they expect nothing less in the future. Exactly. I want them to see me as the go-to for a model that they're going to look for in the future. Mm -hmm. Every single person that they go to, if it's, you know, their future spouse, and, and that's a big part of it. You know, we talked about being a born-again Christian. Like, obviously, we, we pray for our kids, and we have affirmations for our kids. We, as I lay them down, and I, I do it less as they've gotten older, but I still do it for our oldest ones. But every single night when I'm holding them or snuggling them or doing some sort of, like, nighttime bedtime routine with them, I will tell them, like for the boys, like, hey, you're so strong. You're going to be such a good leader. You're going to be so amazing. You're going to be so passionate about what you do. You're going to be a life changer. I then say that to the girls as well, but I also include, like, you're going to, your husband's going to be so amazing, right? Like, and for the boys, like, your wife is going to be so amazing. Yeah. And it kind of caught me off guard one day when my wife was like, we need to be praying for their spouses right now. Did you know that their spouses are probably alive, born on this world somewhere, and they're in somebody else's family and that that family is going to be part of our family. We need to be praying for that child. We need to be praying for that family. So we don't know who that is Mm -hmm. yet, who that spouse is going to be for our kids. But with the girls, especially it a hundred percent has to be, I want them to see me as the gentleman figure that they need in their life so that they see that as the bar. Well, my dad did this. I expect nothing less, right? You've seen the, the Instagram videos of I'm going to teach my daughter how to cook or something to your crusty son, or I'm going to take my daughter to wherever so your crusty son doesn't try to fly her out to Houston and think <laughs> it's okay. Like, or the, the other flip side, I'm going to teach my son how to cook so your crusty daughter doesn't impress him with some chicken Alfredo or something <laughs> crazy. But, that, but that's a good point. It's, we, 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 you look at our lives, mm. you look at your relationship, um, with your spouse, you look at as a father, as fathers out there, our kids are only understanding how to do things, not by what we say, but by what they see, how we, what we do. 100%. So if we're, if we're acting out, if we're doing this, if we're fighting all the time, they're going to see that and they're going to be like, well, I guess that's the norm. Mm. I've had so yeah. many conversations with a lot of friends that were in very toxic marriages or toxic relationships that I said, here's the thing. It might be harder for you to leave this 
But the worst damage that you're doing is not for yourself. It's just showing your daughter it's okay to allow this to continue. Hmm. That if she gets in a relationship or if he gets in a relationship and there's some toxicity to it, then it's like, okay, well, my parents, like my mom was okay with it or my dad was okay with it. I guess I have to be okay with it too. And that's a good point you put up was their spouse is out there. Um, Max has a little, he had a little crush in kindergarten and, <laughs> and he said these words and her, her dad's going to be on potentially next week, actually. We're going to bring this up. He said, hey, would you want to be my ex-wife one day? I have no clue where he got it from. And everyone, <laughs> apparently the school, so, someone brought it up at school and now it's like the whole thing. It's like, we're going to be ex-husband, ex-wife down the road and they're cute and they're five. And But you sit back and you think, and I was thinking about it and there was like, what if they two eventually get together? Because they're they they yeah. they're like little best little buds or whatnot. And I was like, that'll be cute. Like we got some cute pictures of them when they're little, and we can post it when they're married, and all this fun stuff. More than likely, it's probably not going to happen. But you you think of things like, wow, like what what is my kids? How are they going to interact with the real world? How are they going to interact when it comes to dating and all this other stuff? And it's, there's fears. And as a as a dad with boys, like, oh, I got some boys. Yeah, yeah, we're good. <laughs> and and the in the the very blunt way to think about it, it's like as a dad with sons, I only have two penises to worry about. As a dad with daughters, there's a ton of them out there. You got to worry about. Yeah. You got to clean that shotgun. Else's, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it's and it's it's a harsh reality, but that's the world we live in, yeah. right? But what you said was very important to pray to, and if, if you, whatever you pray, or if you're if you're, if you're an affirmation person, or whatever it is, right. you, you A, have to raise your kids to be above reproach mm-hmm. when it comes to being in a relationship and taking care of things and, and give them those affirmations daily. Also, when it comes to bringing that other family in, I mean, again, you don't know. You don't know what upbringing they have or whatever the case is. And we, as much as we love to, we can't control what they do or who they do it with when right. it comes to like, oh, I like this girl. Like, oh, well, she has green hair. Why do you like her? I mean, oh, this one over here, she's a good little girl. Like, you should talk to her. But we, we can't control that as much as we want to. But to take it two steps back, you made a very important point that I want to make sure that, and that I'm very fearful of, is I want to have a relationship with my kids where when they get to that age, that they can come to me mm-hmm. without fear. With the, that if they go to a house party and they have a drink or something like that in high school, they're not like, oh, I, I want to sneak home and drive and, intoxicated or whatever. They hate that. You know what? I drank something yeah. <laughs> and I shouldn't have had it. And I feel bad. I feel this. I'm like, okay. I'll, I'll I'm gonna, touch on that too. Yeah. I'm going to pick you up. We'll yeah. come home. I'll make sure you're home safe. But when you wake up, buddy... <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be, you know, you're. The, and here's the thing: I hope they don't get my genes because I've had three hangovers in my entire life, and I've had times where I probably should have had a bunch of hangovers. But with that being said, I'm like, I, I can't wait for that moment where I get the call and like they went to a house party after a basketball game or whatever, and they had something to drink, and I pick them up and they think, oh man, my dad's so cool, he's not mad, and you know, what? I won't be mad because I, I'll be more, I'll be more upset if they did not tell me. Like right. you said, I would right. more upset if they went around the corner and ate the snow. And if she said, you know what, Dad, I ate the snow. I'm sorry. Exactly. Okay. Different, well, different scenario. Now we're having a different conversation. We're having a different conversation. There's still consequences to it, but we're going to have a different conversation. But if you lie about it or if you try to hide it or push it under the rug, that's the kind of relationship I want to have with my kids right. when they get older is to say, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, I need help or I'm right. in trouble or I'm this. or and And that's a fearful thing because... 
honestly, like, right now there's moments where Cannon, like, he just shuts down, like, just say it, buddy. Come on. <laughs> like, ah, come on, say it. And then I'm thinking, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, when he's 15, is he going to be the same way? When he's 16, when he's 18, when he's 20, when he's 30, what, is he going to be the same way? Is he going to be, like, if he's going to be in trouble, is he going to be fearful to talk to me? Is he, what am I doing wrong? Right. Am I scaring him? Am I doing this, doing that, or whatever the case is? So, but, yeah, go ahead and say your point off of that understanding of having the kids come to you yeah. no matter what. Well, and that, like I mentioned, like, building trust above all is more important. You get in trouble for lying you don't get in trouble for really anything else there's that there's being disobedient we have rules but thinking back to it when i was a kid i i mean i I was like how did i turn out as well as i did like how could i how could that have been better and then also how do i do that with my kids so i always take time to like reflect daily one of the things that i remembered there were very two very real and visceral instances in my life when i knew my parents could have gotten mad at me my dad didn't necessarily play golf, but I loved the time that my dad and I had golf clubs and we could go like play together and we would go play occasionally. But there was a time I had golf clubs and I was just in the den at my parents' house. And uh, of course the seventies was still very real in the nineties. So in the nineties we had those chain ball lamps. So like you'd plug in the light on one side of the wall it the chain would go all the way up the the roof and then it would like dangle twice and then it would eventually hang out over the the big part of the, the room and there was these big glass globes mm-hmm. and i was just on a backswing and it was like friday night i was watching tjf i was a little bit older and uh <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's dating. Yeah, I completely yeah. forgot about TGIF. <laughs> Talking oh. about it with my wife, I was like, man, I had a cordless teal VTech phone, V-tech. like the translucent blue the, teal color. It was cool because I got rid of the cord, that 30 one. foot cord yeah, finally. Yeah. You know, like I didn't have to be like plugged into the kitchen, like two rooms over 30 feet of exactly. cord later. Uh, I had a cordless phone. I showed it to my wife today. We were talking about it. It was, it was fun. But, um, but with that, it was very real. I was in that room where I was, you know, just watching TV, and I, I was just on a backswing, and, like, I broke one of those glass balls. And to be, I mean, to be fair, I probably broke other windows and stuff before mm-hmm. this, but in that moment, I was like, oh, my parents are going to be mad. Yeah, I'm dead. Like, uh, my life's over. And I was like, oh, no. And then my mom and dad came in, and they were like, hey, you guys okay? And I, I, I kind of met them halfway. I met them in the kitchen. I was like, hey, everything's okay. I'm not hurt, but I, I got to tell you something. I did break the glass my mom at that moment was like well show me you know like what happened so i went in there and she's like okay she can you clean it up i'm like yeah she's like clean it up and then come see me so i cleaned it up and then i came and saw him she's like hey you gotta be careful you okay you sure you didn't get hurt and i was like no and then she's like well just sit down here and watch tv with us and again dating like of where we were at that time like they were probably watching like unsolved mysteries or something like that at the time rescue 911 <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh so i sat down i just watched tv with them and then that next morning my mom did have a conversation with me and and so did my dad but i i mean i didn't get spanked for it and and never was i ever touched in in anger in the past and in any of that both my mom and my dad at points were very angry at each other my mom was very like abusive to my dad in in certain instances. So I was also worried growing up in that household of like, would that ever happen to me? But I never did, you know? And I say worried in the sense that like, not that, that I ever thought like, Oh no, I'm, I'm going to get hurt because of this. My parents were always very consistent in that, especially my dad consistent in his emotion, consistent in the way that he treated me and in his emotion towards me. So I use that as a baseline as well. Credit to my father being in a tough situation. 
But at the same time, too, then also bringing that across to like what I should expect. Because now, as a father, I know that I also need to be consistent, which is one of the things that I mentioned, in my emotion with my kids. Exactly. So in that moment, I've reflected and I've looked back and been like, they could have been mad. They could have been upset. It could have been like, flip the table. Things are crazy. But it wasn't. And then the same thing, too. Because of that, as I got older, I had a birthday party. We were at the bowling alley. And I hadn't ever gone to, like, Montgomery before. But in town here, if you're listening at a distance, Montgomery is a place where you do your street racing. Mm-hmm. It's where people would just meet at the local drive-in to get food and drinks. Sonic, yeah, yeah. At the Sonic. And Still so, to this day. Yeah. Um, and that was a big part of, like, you know, high school and then college for, for kids our age. Was, yeah kind of a coming of age, like, oh, you're out, where are you doing? Oh, yeah, I was at Montgomery. Like, if you had a nice car, you were racing it. If you weren't, you were sitting shotgun with somebody. If you were uh, just there in general, it was just fun. I, there was never really any danger outside of, like, street racing, which exactly. is dangerous in, yeah. in itself. But um, I never felt threatened. But when it was that birthday party, I, I remember my parents were like, hey, we're going to leave you guys here. I had a cell phone at the time, so I was old enough to obviously have my own car, but they were like, hey, just call us when you guys are done and just let us know where you guys are at and make sure you guys are coming home. And it was one of the first times that I kind of had a little bit more freedom than I've had in the past. But I look back to that previous instance in that moment and, and others, and it wasn't at that moment then that I thought this, but I, I was like, well, I'll have a little bit more freedom. Let me get out. Let me see, explore the world. All my friends want to go to Montgomery. Let me turn off my phone and then let's just go drive, Right. So I was in my car and I I had a bad feeling like something was going to happen. And I, you know, intuition wise, I I don't know if it was God telling me you need to be there because your friend's going to be need you or if it was like you shouldn't have been there. But either way, I followed my friends. They were street racing. I wasn't at the time, but I was the car behind them. And my friend broke his car like he was just revving, 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 revving. And his car just like exploded. So we pushed it into the Taco Bell parking lot. And then they're like, what are we going to do? How am I going to, I got to fix this before I get home. My parents are going to be so mad. And I was like, in that moment, I had no other thoughts except I'm just going to call my dad. Like, what's the big deal, guys? And so I told them, I was like, hey, I'll just call my parents. And they're like, no, 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 you can't do that. Like, well, why would you do that? We're going to get in trouble. We're all going to get like, everybody's going to get in trouble. I'm like, you guys get in trouble for this stuff? Like, I like. My It never dawned on me that I should not call my parents. The only option I had in my mind at that moment was call your parents. So I turned on my phone. My parents probably tried to call me. They're probably worried. You know, I obviously was in a spot where I, I didn't tell them where I was. And, you know, exactly. they probably wouldn't find it, even if I did tell them. But, again, it was like I did do something wrong. I knew that there were consequences. But I also knew that I could trust my parents. And I knew that my father had consistent emotions. Now, all in present in that moment... I didn't process all that. It was just spur of the moment. But I want my kids to know that spur of the moment, they can always trust me, that I'm always going to have a consistent demeanor, that they can always trust me emotionally, that I'll be stable, that, hey, what you get from me now is what you're going to get from me tomorrow. You're going to get from me 10 years from now. But I want them to know that they can trust me. And I look back to those moments as pivotal moments where, like, I just called my mom and dad. I was like, hey, I was like, we're not, nope. No, no, we're not at the bowling alley anymore. Hold on one second. Like, yeah. we're on Montgomery. You're what? Where are you? Why? Yeah, Hold exactly. on. Hey, he's at the bowling alley. He was yeah. supposed to be there. Right? Like, now they're having a conversation. I'm like, hey, my friend's car broke down. Like, can you come help us? And my dad brought his truck, and we, like, towed his car back to his house. My dad talked to his dad, and, like, everything was like, okay. 
right? Like we all got home way later than we should have. Exactly. We were in a plot spot that was probably dangerous. We shouldn't have been doing what we were doing, but we all talked about it afterwards. Now I'm sure I'd got grounded, but I don't even remember what the consequence was, but it wasn't like anything scary. Like I said, I never got beat. I never, you know, exactly. I never had to worry about that. So because my dad's emotional state was consistent all the time, I knew it would be in this moment too. And I didn't process that at the time. But now I, know, now I look back and I say, okay, I want my kids to exactly. always know that I'm going to be consistent, that I'm going to be there, that they know what they're going to get. They're gonna, I'm going to be honest with them. They're going to need to be honest with me. And that's all I expect. Right? Yeah. They would be in trouble if they lied and exactly. said something crazy. Yeah. Same thing, too. If I lied and went somewhere different, but I didn't call, like, how, I'm sure my parents would be much more upset if I didn't call and was gone all night, as opposed to, like, oh, I called you at 10, and we were supposed to be back at 8, but it's 10 o'clock, and they needed you. They're, they were more glad that I called them and that they were a part of it than they were upset that something else had happened. Well, you know? there's, two, there's two parts of that story that, uh, as parents, that ring true that you want your kids to be raised as empathetic to know that okay i'm gonna because you could just drove off you're like oh i'm not gonna get in trouble i got my car runs i'm gonna just see ya you're on your own type of thing you, you saw the yeah, and that never crossed my mind either well, right? yeah, like exactly. leaving a buddy there i was like well, no no we're in this together in like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but there, there's a lot of people that will do that I, i've had That's friends true, that right? are like oh yeah whoops uh, uh, i'm out of here see you later um but then you you have so you have the empathy of understanding that okay i have, say I have a friend in need then you had the wherewithal, like, I'm not at the bowling alley, but it doesn't matter. I have a friend in need. I know who can help me, and it's my dad. And as dads, that's what we want is from our kids. We want to, them to know that no matter what, you can call on me. I'll stop it. I'll drop. He was probably finishing Unsolved Mysteries or something like that <laughs> and just hanging out in his PJs or whatever the case yeah. is. And, and, it's, and to me, it's something special and something just beautiful as a parent, this, when your kid calls on you, and sure, you're like, oh, well, that's your son. They're supposed to. You're the dad. You're their superhero. You're this. But still, every time the boy's like, hey, dad, can you help me with this? Or, hey, dad, I did this. Or, I, I broke, like, Max broke a, a glass. He's like, I had your, your, your baseball glass, and it broke. I'm like, well, are you okay? Like, did you cut yourself? Where's the glass at? Let's, okay, everyone, if you don't have shoes, get on the couch. Right. Get the dogs out. Let me just get the vacuum, start shop vacuuming everything up. Yep. And it's like, well, just be careful. And it's always like, just be careful next time. It's like, you broke my favorite glass, <laughs> blah, blah. But it's, it, it's a very, and it goes back to your, your three points, and we'll, we'll start wrapping it up with that. As parents, our goal is, and I think you, you're raising your kids just right. If you're a dad out there homeschooling, if you're not homeschooling, if it's charter, public, private, whatever the case is, your first, their first education is at home. The first education, first understanding of how to do things is within you. And sure, it does take a village. It takes grandparents. There's a great book called uh, Hunt, Gather, Parent that I recommend all parents to read. It's a book that shows not the westernized idea of parenting, but how these still very tribal, very Eastern cultures that have been doing it for eons and how it really truly takes a village to help people. It takes the neighbors. It takes this, takes that. Um, I have one last, one quick story. I was out of town um, and my, one of my friends called me and said, hey, you know what? I felt really bad 
Um, well, actually, we were playing volleyball. They went there to they. I wasn't playing, but Ruby took the boys to watch the the team play and all that stuff like that. And my friend Fredo, I guess Camden was kind of acted out to to Ruby, and he hates it. And he hates being lifted up, especially upside down. He freaks out. He hates it. He's like, hey, I this is your son. This is my oldest son. And so yeah. he's like, I grabbed your kid. He's like, hey, don't talk to your mom that way. And I was gonna pretend to put him in like his barrel. And he was freaking out and all this other stuff. And he's like, I felt so bad. I apologized to him, all this stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, so but then he came up. So then this is the next week when I'm back in town. Cannon goes out without me saying anything, without Ruby saying anything. He says, I'm so sorry. Um, I should not have been treating my mom that way to Fredo. And then Fredo freaks out. I was like, oh my gosh. She's like, he told that on my fr-. And so he's telling me, I'm so sorry. I flipped your son upside down. He freaked out, all this stuff. But he did apologize to me. I was like, oh, this is the first I'm hearing of this, but that's okay. <laughs> and and then so, the, but in my first, my mind is like, oh my gosh, my kiddo, like he hates me and flip being upside down. My son too. That's why I mentioned that. My five year old, he's like, he will do everything, but like, don't put me upside down. Yeah, Max, I could throw him a million yeah. miles in the air, and he's like, this is the greatest thing in the world. But Camden's like, nope, he has a limit. And but I, I saw that moment, and I was sitting there thinking, like, okay, he understood the situation that even though he kind of got punished in a way that he didn't like. He still came back around and was like, I shouldn't have done that. That this is my my mistake. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have treated my mom that way. I apologized to Ruby. apologized to my friend Fredo. I was none. To, I was in Seattle because my good friend, he was going through some stuff. So we flew out there to support him. And it was like, I had no clue what was happening. I just showed up like, oh, hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome to be back. And it's like, well, Dad, I'm so sorry this happened. I'm like, well, okay, great. That's fine. I'm glad you worked through it. I'm glad you did this. And so as a parent, as a dad, you want those things. And you realize it does take a village to raise and to support our kids. Um, And so your three points, which to me were very, very, I think, well put together throughout this podcast um, and the stories. And and once again, thank you. Tell us again your three points on parenting, your, your advice for dads out there. Yeah. So just to recap, those those words of advice, when you asked me, I was like, it took me a week to just sit down. Like, obviously, the self-reflection. I was like, what do I do? How do I do it? What is that special sauce? But but I'm always present with the kids. I'm always patient with the kids. And I'm always consistent with the kids. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, right? Like, everything that I do should be there. And it, you touched on it, and it's funny, too. But like we talked about redirecting earlier. But some of those dad lessons, right, like major on the majors and minor on the minors, like that's being present and being patient at the same time. And when I learned, like you talked about what is a rule in, you know, maybe kids understand in the moment when things are going bad or when they're supposed to be doing something different. But in our house, it's a very fun and silly part of it. But like for us, it's not a rule until it needs to be a rule, too. Exactly. And that's for us, that's, you know, that that's just being present and patient as well. But the other night at dinner and I'll, I'll end on a couple quick, quick yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other night at dinner, uh, to emphasize that part of like, it's not a rule until it's a rule is, uh, my daughter, she ate until she was content. She's a seven year old cadence. So she finished up and she asked to be excused. And what's expected right when you're excused from the tables, you clean your area, you, close your, you know, put your seat back, you go wash your hands, wash your face, because you're probably dirty, and then you can go have free time for a little bit. Exactly. So she did all that. She got cleaned her area. She went and washed her hands, her face. She came back to the table, and then she stood right between my wife and I, and she was just talking to us, which is, you know, normal and fine. There were still potatoes, like baked potatoes on the table. 
And so she grabbed a baked potato, which is also fine. She broke it in half. She then got some sour cream. She put it on. She started eating and got more sour cream on her nose, all <laughs> over her face. And she was just like, ah, oh, this is so good. And she's in a potato mode right now. Like oh, yeah. she will eat potatoes all day, every day if we let her. Baked potatoes. Ooh, Idaho. Everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And, uh, you know, it's funny too, but it's one of those, like the reason why we, you know, say wash your hands and clean your hands is because we don't want you to get the rest of the house dirty. Like I don't exactly. want to have to clean the table, clean the chair, clean everything that you touch. You know, when you go play video games, grab the switch. I don't want all the controllers dirty. I don't want the remote for the TV dirty. I don't want all of your Legos dirty. Right. So that's the rule. The rule is like, well, don't get everything dirty, but kids need to be redirected and sometimes they need to be fun in that moment. So like, it came about again where she was dirty and then the baby was there. My wife was holding the baby at the table and she went to go down. My oldest daughter, Cadence, went to kiss the baby and she went to kiss the baby. I'm like, oh, sour cream. <laughs> but she's got sour cream all over her face, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't a rule until that night, but like, hey, no sour cream on the baby, right? And so now she's like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I'm like, remember, you got to go wash your hands and clean your face. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. So she was already thought like in her, mark, in her mind she check marked that that was done I left it I asked to be excused from the table I went and I cleaned I, my, yeah. I came back mm-hmm. now I'm just eating again I'm part of the family like everything's fine it's like yeah but remember the rule so it wasn't a rule like don't put sour cream on the baby but now that's a rule and that's also somewhere at, like now I can redirect them when they're dirty the hands are dirty like, hey guys remember like no sour cream on the baby exactly and at the same time too if it's like oh you dropped your gum like hey no gum on the floor but it's also like no sour cream on the baby we got to pick up that gum we got to exactly. throw it away I don't exactly. want to clean a mess right and so it's just like oh yeah that's a fun way for me to redirect and remember like we got we can't always be making messes let's clean the house and then the same night same thing my we were all in the girls' room, and we have a girls' room and a boys' room. Mm-hmm. And girls' room's there, and they have a TV VCR, again, dating VCR, us. Yeah. Older. Grandpa gave it to the kids. It now was something, obviously. Your presentation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we have VCR tapes, and, and they were able to go in there and you know watch their own movies and do that, which is fun. And so my, my son was just there, and he was like, he put his foot up on the TV, which, you know, it's, it's a little, like, you know, foot and a half by foot and a half yeah, with yeah. a built-in VCR, it's, you know, which is fine. And the kids do that all the time, so it wasn't a big deal. But then he started like sticking his toes in the VCR, <laughs> and and I was like, "Hey, hey, dude, no t- no toes in the VCR." Yeah. He's like, "What? I, I didn't even know I was doing it." Right. So it's a fun rule, but it's also like, "Hey, just gotta be aware. You gotta yeah. be careful. You don't want to put your toes in something where you could get hurt. Like you could get hurt doing that. Just be more aware. So be aware and be clean. We're already rules in the house, but now there's like a fun version of that. And those were two in one night, and we kind of live in that. And I think that the challenge is like that consistency that we talked about, like you have to be consistent with your emotions. Those are moments where you could be like, hey, and yell and be like, don't do that. You're going to break the What do you do? Like, don't do yeah, this. Get yeah. your foot off of that. Don't put your foot in there. But it's also like you have to be really real in that moment and get it down to their level and be like, hey, man, no toes in the VCR. Exactly. Right? Like he's going to understand that way better than me just like barking at him. And so getting down and being present in that moment with him. And then those rules, right? Just like being present and patient at the same time. Like those two things feed off of each other. And then uh, making sure they were just real with our kids in that moment. And you have to be. There, there's, the, my grandfather told me, uh, my granddaddy Perkins said, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Guess what? It's all small stuff. It's all small. <laughs> and, and when it comes to parenting as a, as a dad, we, we have to realize that the small stuff in life, eventually, guess what? 
There's not going to be toes in your VCR. There's not going to be sour cream kisses anymore. Right. They're going to be older. And they're going to be moving on. There's not going to be smudges on the mirror. There's not going to be this. Not gonna be, you're not going to be stepping on. Last night yeah. I'm walking. I, the boys woke up. They, there was a coyote yelping. And they were like, Dad, we're scared. I'm like, okay. So I go back. And 4 o'clock in the morning, they're like, can you read us a story? I'm like, it's not a bedtime routine, buddy. It's 4 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. It's time to go to sleep. But I did the whole routine, did everything like that. Yeah. Put them to sleep. I ended up falling asleep in the room. And I got up, and my neck is hurting. And I step on a toy, and I'm like, pick up your toys. I'm like, give me a moment where I don't have toys to step on. Yeah. So don't sweat the small stuff. Your three points, be present, be patient, and, of course, be consistent. The dads, you guys are doing great jobs out there. It's, it's, um, it's a tough thing, and it's fun. It doesn't have to be all serious <laughs> and this and that. And we're not drill sergeants. We're just big kids, really, at the end of the day. So speaking of the fun. I love that, man. We always end with a dad joke. So <laughs> I know you have one. You talked about the mustache earlier, so I think you should use that. Dad you, joke. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll add them in just normal, but I, I could never grow facial hair when I was younger. And I used to hate facial hair, but, you know, it grew on me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. And then same thing, too, with kids. we got a lot of little kids. We, we've always been in a single-story house with the kids, and, and it's one of those things, like, as a dad, like, I don't trust stairs, right? They're always up to something. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I will touch on it too. I, I play guitar as well, but uh, I think you know for me one of the biggest things is like you know what is a guitar player's favorite Italian food? Stromboli. Ooh, so, stromboli guitar. Go. But uh, but that's those are good ones. That's a more classic one at the end. So. And, and going off of that, I'm gonna actually give you a dad joke. Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? Hmm. I didn't. The food is out of this world. Just no atmosphere. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you, Skye, so very much uh, for all your just great knowledge. I mean, five kids, you're going to learn a lot <laughs> very quickly. I expect um, to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, again, thank you for letting us know just kind of how you do things. And, and it really kind of makes me reflect and understand, like, it's okay to pause, hmm. see where they're at, see where they're going. And this is what we're doing. So episode four is finished everyone thank you once again for supporting how to father again this is a very raw open podcast there's really no true rhyme or reason but just dads talking about our dad experience hopefully helping people out understand that it's okay to sometimes be vulnerable it's okay to not know everything but we're always constantly learning and we're all doing that for the benefit of our kids which entails the benefit of the world because we're raising some pretty darn good humans so sky once again i'd love to have you on again uh, down the road at some point absolutely and uh everyone else thank you for listening i'll see you guys at the next one